Well, good morning. It's good to see human beings. Real people, flesh and blood, we've all been in the ups and downs of our day. And I'm sure Dennis has said many things over, and, and to the people in live stream too. I'm, it, there's some wonderful things that have happened. People over live stream have come to faith. The Lord continues to work. The Lord's arm is not short that you're not safe. And so I'm so grateful and so grateful for God's work in the midst of you all. And uh, we, who, who ever wants to wear a mask again? But I did bring some masks that say have a Grace Finder logo on it so you remember to pray. Uh, everything I do with Grace Finder logo is set just as a prayer reminder. And our link, actually, this congregation, through, through Janelda and Dennis and others, uh, have been pray, has been prayer. You, you wouldn't believe how encouraging it is. And uh, maybe I'm embarrassing her, but when she te and Janelda texts me and says, what can I pray for? That is such a blessing. Honestly, that just it makes my day because prayer really is the deepest mystery, the thing that leads us in ways that we just do not understand. You know, we say amazing grace, uh, it's grace that will lead us home. O only the grace in prayer will lead us home. It's grace is filled with prayer and that grace is Jesus leading us home. And so all of that, uh, that's our, our link and connection. And I I'll remember faces, but it's been so long. If I don't know your name, I apologize, but I will say, hey, <laughs> hey you, uh, and you can say the same to me. I mean, at least, at least you get to write my name down and wherever you can say, oh, that's the guy's name. I don't know. So, well, what do you do when a pandemic strikes or has continued on for the time being, or now maybe we're loosening restrictions and all the different things that are going on? What, what do we do? What are the lessons? Uh, this is what's uh, at least among people I know, leaders, pastors, uh, people in different places, lots of reflection. What, what, sh what should we be doing now and where have we been and what can we learn from all these things? And one of the lessons uh, that I've learned and I think many of us have learned is how truly helpless, you know, the, the, the realization of our helplessness and inability to change many things. There are things that just we just cannot change. And so for me, I've been thinking through and working on those things that I need so much more, going back to the Sermon on the Mount and prayer, the basics again. This, this idea of what, what is this mystery of prayer? Because when you, when you haven't found a prayer, we have a prayer from Jesus. I'm working on something, a series of, of sermons. Uh, this is the biggest kind of 30,000-foot view sermon of the, of the Lord's Prayer. When you haven't found a prayer... Where do you go? Well, Jesus has given us a prayer. And so we, this mysterious thing is something that I will continue on with students in the fall and, uh, and also just as we grow in this new time. C.S. Lewis says in the stage play in the film Shadowlands, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't ultimately change God, it changes me. The context of this passage today is a people deeply troubled in Matthew 6, asking, where is God? As they are enslaved by this empire of Rome. We have to remember this prayer is not just out in the blue, it's right in the middle of a very difficult time for, for God's people in, in the, the land, in ancient Near East, and uh, in, in the Jewish people are under subversion. And so we come to in the passage in that context and we apply it to our own day. Now, can we do something as we read the scripture and then I pray? Can we, can we actually say this? If, if you know it out loud, say it with me. And if different words are being said, it's okay. 
But could we just say it together instead of me reading from here something familiar? The familiar things are those things that you go back to and actually you realize, I think there's a lot more here than I used to, th- than I used to, to e- ever think. And so maybe we can pray this together. And I'll pray, I'm praying it from the ESV, but who knows, it, there may be some trespasses, differences, and sinfulness. Like there's different ways, right? It's okay, whatever we say, we just say it. And uh, I can say it, but I'm just going to read it from here, and you just join in with me if, if, you, if you can. And we'll start in verse, it's, it's verse 9. We'll start with our Father. So together, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then there's that extra part that we say, and it's, it's, it's the part we need to say as well that comes in different places. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we are praying about a prayer. We're hearing about a prayer. We want to live a life of prayer. We need you, Lord. Really prayerful mission, mission of prayer. How, how, this can't be separated. Nothing. Prayer is our mission, and mission is our prayers. And so we come before you, we ask for your grace in our lives as we hear whatever you would want us to hear today. And we pray that you would give us the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Your word should change us and make us different people. Push against our own echo chambers, push against our anger, push against the, the things that have been bottling us up over this time and help us to find the way again that grace would find us and lead us home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you could ask Jesus one question, what would it be? You can, don't have to shout it out, um, but you can think of it. You know, what, would, what would you ask Jesus right this very minute? A hard question from the Bible. Maybe, the, can you explain the Trinity? Uh, maybe the sovereignty of God. How can we be truly free? Uh, maybe it's about judgment. Or, or it's a very personal question. Why do you love us? Look what we do. Look what we do to your world. There's so much injustice. Maybe you ask about suffering. I mean, you could read 15 books I could tell you to read on this, and you'd be done, and you'd still be probably struggling, even though we know there's lots of answers. How could you put up with so much, oh Lord? Maybe there's specific verses, chapters, books of the Bible. Why do Christians treat each other as the enemy when they disagree? Am I echoing? Am I okay? Or am I only hearing it, or are you hearing it? Is my okay? Okay. Okay. As long as it, it, I can live with it, but if I'm always thinking about it as I go along, I'll, I, it will be, it'll affect what I'm saying. <laughs> it's good as long as I know that I'm not creating havoc in your minds. So those questions, right? Here's a question. You know, why do we treat each other as Christians as enemies when when we don't agree on on things that aren't aren't essential? Well, the question uh, changed for me over the years from entering the faith to when you've walked with Christ for a while, but questions go on with us on the journey. Some people ask questions earlier on, and maybe less as they go forward, but really, I don't know very many with that. More, more, more so, I know people who read their Bible, put question marks in, in, the, in, the, bra- in the side, 
and say, I don't know what this means. And then they go to a commentary and they say, I don't know what it means still, because <laughs> the commentators don't know. And there's, there are passages that are deeply mysterious, right? You spent all this money on the commentary. It's this big on the book of Revelation, and you still don't know really what it says. I mean, it's, of course we know more. Jesus wins, right? Um, that's awesome, but that's a lot of money to spend for, a, for a, you know. But yeah, that, that's, the, that's the journey we're on. You know, the questions come. Um, it's, it's really, that's me. It's like one of my uh, a favorite pastor of mine, a speaker from the past, he said, as the years go on, I, I'm paraphrasing, I am more sure and less sure. He says, I see more clearly how amazing Jesus is and yet have so many more questions beyond the core of the faith. They just keep piling up on me. Here's the, th here's the thing. The disciples had many chances to ask questions. We often think, man, I wish we, were, I, we could be there at this moment. In one situation, they asked Jesus to teach them. What do they ask? You know this already, right? Do they ask Jesus, how do, how do you heal? How, how do you preach? How do you gain a crowd? How are you one with God? And of all the things that they could have asked, why would they ask, Lord, teach us to pray in Luke 11.1? 1? They must have seen something that pointed them to a deeper reality in his life, connected to prayer. It's not an amount of time, how much you pray. It's not even, I mean, the simplest prayers we have are help, thanks, and wow, as, as one author has said. Really, thank you, wow, and, you know, so, help. I mean, it's the biggest prayer of my whole life. Uh, actually, it was said up here when you were praying, and I thought, yep, that's it, help, help. Um, and yet it's the deepest mystery, and, and the disciples ask all about this reality. It's not a formula either. So Jesus had an everyday walk with times away to specifically pray, pray and, and, and he said to do it in your room, and he said also not to show off, show off about it. It's not, and it's not about how much. And sometimes there's long and extended time. Sometimes they're short. Um, prayer is just not short or long. Often prayer is like this. Uh, one one uh, professional baseball player in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, uh, he had played for New York Yankees. You don't know his name, but he had the prayer that's classic in, in brevity, and poignancy says, dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen. That's often our prayers. I used to meet in university with a Korean pastor, and it, was, and it had to be really early, and it had to be really long. And it wasn't, I'm not, I'm not kicking him, I just, it was. This was what you, how you prayed, how he, he had, and so we were at 4.30 in the morning, whatever, and I mean, if you know me, that was almost miraculous in itself that I ever did that. Um, but then it's so easy to go, oh, look at me, I'm getting up early in the morning. And then you defeat the whole purpose of prayer. It's not about the length, or, or the, but many times it was very sweet. We had university prayer meetings when, when we start, were in uh, second or third year, first year university. We'd get up at 6 a.m. and we'd all gather in and students grew through prayer. And we thought we were doing something really there. And we were. But you grow and then you think... What are we really doing? And prayer becomes, continues to be something we need to be taught. Uh, and, and it's something that really, without it, what would really and truly function? There's a passage in Revelation that I probably refer to later, or you can look up, and I've always, I've, I need to write it down, but I think of it every time I get to this part uh, as I'm talking about prayer, where the prayers of the saints are like sweet incense that go up to heaven. I forget if it's which part, uh, which, the beginning in the Revelation. And that's the mystery of prayer. That simple prayer where I say help is sweet incense to God. Janelda texts me and says, I'm praying for this. Incense before the Lord. Our prayers here, 
Prayers together, prayers alone, amazing. So, but prayer is not just about the quantity. What, you know, so what is prayer? Even a one definition, it says prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Yeah, that's, that's a good definition. But they, even that can't say it as well as the Lord's Prayer. People over centuries have a consensus that we can say it together, and we do, we can repeat it, um, but it's also a pattern with an incredible balance that shows us what our priorities are for a kingdom mission life. A pattern of rest and mission built right into its structure. It was good he gave us a pattern. <clears throat> because so quickly it can be like what C.S. Lewis says. Is this your life? The moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists in shoving it all back and listening to that other voice taking that other point of view, letting that other, larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. Jesus has given us a prayer that will help us connect to this stronger, quieter life. Let's look briefly at each part of the prayer from 30,000 feet. And all of these would become sermons in themselves, but I'm giving you the overview here. And I'm just looking to make sure there's, there's six points. So get ready, no. Uh, it'll be okay. They, they, some of them will be briefer than others, and they will all be expanded into sermons, and some of them have been already. There's just more here that can possibly be said. But it really does help you to get a lay of the land, and you look, and look down on, on prayer. And all of them start with a P. This morning I woke up with two more. Uh, prayer is, is, uh, is, is peaceful, and prayer is painful. Because it is, when you wake up and those things attack you in the morning, it, it's painful. When, you're, when people are hurting, it's painful. We cry. Friends of ours are facing cancer. It's painful. You pray. When you pray, you're feeling that pain. It's a whole other sermon there, but they're all peas. If you're, if you're younger here and you need to somehow track with me, count how many times I use P words, okay? Or just the letter P itself, uh, but this is because there's, there's a lot of peas coming up here, okay? I know for some of us that'll help us to stay on track. First of all, prayer is personal. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy name. We have a holy Father, but it's a Father who hears us. He relates to us. He calls us to himself. We rest in him. He listens, and we call upon him with a purpose, and he's personally hears us where we are. It's not like a father like this little dog that would go to the back door and bark and bark until someone finally got the message. You know, the dog will keep barking. Finally, okay, let the dog out. Let the dog out. They did. One day, while everyone was gone, their little dog, however, took up his station at the back door and barked incessantly all day. The sad thing was that it never dawned in his little brain that all his barking was totally useless. No one was home to hear. Our Father is not like this. Our Father is always home, always hearing, always with us. The prayers of every person here matters to our Father in heaven, children, adults, all the way through our whole life, short prayers, long prayers. Our Father is personal. He's personally involved. He's close at hand. He's not absent. He hears us. He's close to us. He's awesome. He's the name above all names. He's so high and lifted up. Our Father in heaven, and yet he's also so close to us. He's right beside us. And some of us have had hard and difficult fathers in our lives, and that makes a, a really difficult to pray to our Father. But our Father is a perfect Father, a loving Father, a gracious Father. When you think of God, you th if you, Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
Look to Jesus. Look at who Jesus is so you can know that our Father in heaven is this incredible God who's the God of the Trinity, God three in one, the great I am, all these things, and yet the God who's so close, the God we stand in awe of, and yet the God we can just say, please, please, Father, help me, help me. So this is the, this is the God we come to. A life of prayer mission doesn't need us to put hours aside, but sometimes it helps us to set times. Uh, sometimes it's extended, sometimes it's short, sometimes it's just in the morning for a few minutes, just to push away all those distractions, to pause and be still and pray to our Father. Some scripture helps as well, Psalms help as well. And that's part of our God who is a personal God. Prayer is personal. He's the one as close as a father, yet over all in heaven, and he personally promises to hear us. That's where we start, just as a very basic beginning, our Father in heaven. We also see prayer is purposeful. Prayer is purposeful. It's a practice that mobilizes us. It mobilizes us on mission. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A life for Christ is a mission for an amazing king doesn't mean pushiness, wagging the finger, but looking for opportunity to encourage others to know him. He's worth knowing. Ivan had endured all the horrors of a Soviet prison camp. One day he is praying with his eyes closed when a fellow prisoner notices him and says, with ridicule, prayers won't help you get out of here any faster. Opening his eyes, Ivan answers, I do not pray to get out of prison, but to do the will of of God. The kingdom of God is so important, and Jesus focuses on the kingdom. His prayer shows you what Jesus cares about in a very quick way, but yet it implications for the rest of our lives. Pray for his will to be done. Another, another theologian says, that's what Jesus teaches his followers to cry out for. Your kingdom come means, Father, make your healing reign more and more tangible and visible in our world. Let your rule assert itself ever more concretely in the places where sickness and evil still seem to have the upper hand. When we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are aware of how God's will is not being done in our world, all around us, even in our own lives. We're asking God to overcome this contradiction, to act in such a way that life on earth increasingly resembles the peaceable and joyous life of God. Of heaven. We often don't know what God is doing in our lives, but our freedom in Him is to trust that our Father knows and that we simply take steps to prayerfully and thoughtfully follow, even when we don't know the purpose. But prayer is purposeful, very clearly, His kingdom, looking to His kingdom. He does so many things, and it often changes our hearts more than anything as we seek His kingdom. A verse to keep in mind as we live and as we pray. Well, there's a third thing to notice. Prayer is provisional. Prayer is provisional. Give us this day our daily bread. I often breezed by this part of the prayer. Maybe you have too. Uh, thank you, Lord. It's, I mean, we do it every day, but it's, it seemed, maybe seems commonplace to us until something was pointed out to me about that phrase. Notice this is not about individualism. Me, me to only look after ourselves or even our own families. But it says, give us our daily bread. Just it's our 
Father, not my Father alone. It's our, this is our Father, the community of faith. It's a prayer to live with mercy on our minds of those around us who are without their daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. It, it, it implies stepping out and, and reaching out to others, not just our own provision. Who knows, we may be an answer to their prayers for daily bread. Who is the hour in our lives? Something to think about, and as I've already heard implied about people you're reaching out to. Some of the simplest things happen over food, especially now that we are able to do some of these things that we couldn't do maybe over the, the, the time we've had in COVID. This prayer assumes a generous, sharing heart, not just stockpiling our resources. This is, this is, a, this is hard not to do. We want to point people to the bread of life. Actually, when we say, give us this day our daily bread, what, this is a whole other sermon. I've thought of this a few times. That needs to be explored. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the bread of life. So give us this day our daily bread. He's saying, you need me every day. And also the provision from God. There's, a, there's a, a, a statement that says it really well about the importance of clasping our hands in prayer and what it does, even at a most basic provisional level. To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. One of the biggest disorders in our world, what is it? Poverty, hunger, simple lack in people's lives. So we pray, give us this day our daily bread, our daily Lord Jesus, our daily food, all the things that we can provide for ourselves and for others. And we're thankful to a God who does this. Part, that's part of our prayerful mission, and all, which is also a powerful mission. A prayer is powerful. Fourthly, prayer is powerful. We know that, we hear it, but this statement really is a different kind of power than we think in our world. Power to coerce, power to, to rule, to govern. No, it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The power in prayer is forgiveness. It has power to mend the brokenhearted. Broken relationships, maybe even over this time in COVID. I've heard so many people say people are divided in their families. People who, who want certain things and others who don't want other things. And there's just been division going on. But prayer is powerful, especially for forgiveness. It's not just something you do and wait for God to intervene, but it comes with a call for us to forgive, which involves going to people and asking for forgiveness. This may be the most powerful prayer-led act we ever do and may be the most difficult, to ask for forgiveness. Prayer has that power. When we're struggling with forgiveness and it feels like we are praying this prayer without a true heart, we can take heart that as one, one pastor and theologian says, God can pick sense out of a confused prayer. Because often our prayers are confused. Even the confused prayers can be heard by our awesome God. During those struggles to forgive, even in the confusion, he gives us a strength more powerful than any metal compound or human army. Romans 8 reminds us that the Spirit prays when we don't have the words. I can look back on a very dark period of my life and I am thankful for the people of God praying and the Spirit of God praying to keep me sane and alive and, in, and even in the journey of faith. 
Thank God for the power of the Spirit's prayer. Prayer is powerful to forgive and so many other things. Helps us to change and look forward to the kingdom that he's already talked about. The next phrase shows us that prayer is protective. Prayer is protective. That's a lot of peace so far, isn't it? Prayer is protective. I have to be, I have to, I, I'm getting dry mouth, so I hope it's okay that I don't start doing. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or from evil. Deliver us from evil or the evil one or both, which is really what it implies. Prayer is protective. Another way to say it is lead us not into the time of trial. The time of trial, as you saw happening in the Old Testament many times to Israel. They, were, they entered into that time of trial and God tested them. It's like this, this line we say, Lord, be thou within me. Oh, that's wonderful. I'll stop right there. Thank you. There, that's wonderful. Thank you. I, I didn't ask, but I realized I should have. Yeah, exactly. That's a good application. And there's not that much left either, because you might be worried. There's a lot of water in here. <laughs> I'm glad I have the freedom to be myself here, and that, it, that people will laugh, actually. I've been in places where I'm like, I don't know if they, they, they heard this. Prayer is protective. That lead us not into temptation. There, it's like this, this prayer says it so well also. It actually illustrates it well. It says, there's a, this beautiful prayer, simple prayer. It says, Lord... Be thou within me to strengthen me, without me to keep me, above me to protect me, beneath me to uphold me, before me to direct me, behind me to keep me from straying, round about me to defend me. Blessed be thou, O Lord, our Father, forever and ever. Pray that we can pray this prayer with a renewed sense as it's so easy to be complacent in seeking God's protection over trials and temptations. We can pray for that protection. It's just we know that it's not always guaranteed the way we expect it. And so it's a challenging prayer to pray that. But that's why we say, lead us not to the time of trial. Give me the strength for when I go through things. And so that's part of this, this whole journey of prayer. Much of our life is lived with the prayer, Lord, help, on our lips as we raise children or teenagers, as we see people's marriages falter and flounder. As we see friendships dissolve over disagreements and even about our current pandemic, as our heroes slip and fall, and as the person in the mirror doesn't change as quickly or as much as we thought that they would. Again, we cry to him, deliver us, deliver us. So that's where I, I see such a strong line when it says deliver us, that prayer is protective. We're praying for that deliverance. But prayer is also painful. It's painful at that moment when we're saying deliver us. We wake up in the morning, we're saying, Lord, deliver us. It's a new day and we know people who are hurting. We pray for that provision and that protection. And Jesus' assumption is that he will, in his way, and as he gives to us, the balance of this prayer is remarkable. God is far and close. We rest and we act. It is his kingdom, yet we are part of it. We ask, but we also share in generosity. We are forgiven, and we also forgive. We protect, are protected from temptation, and yet we pray for deliverance when we fall. The Christian life is very paradoxical. As one writer says, he calls it paradoxology. It's right there all through the Lord's prayer. 
And now finally it ends with what was common to the Jewish faith. This prayer ends with that line, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Really, in this last sense, prayer is praise. Prayer is praise. It's worship. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This prayer closely parallels a prayer of King David upon the anointing of his son Solomon as king. David blesses God saying, Yours, O Lord, are the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head above all. That prayer goes all the way back to earlier, earlier in the Old Testament. It was powerfully prayed in worship then and also now in, in the church we pray it. Lord, yours is the kingdom. We prayed it today. We sang it today about the glory in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This phrase brings the prayer to a close by voicing the courage, confidence, and assurance with which it is prayed. It boldly calls upon God to be God, to fulfill the petitions spoken. It's an exclamation point to the prayer that expresses faith in God's authority, ability, and presence. We start in prayer pausing, as one acrostic P-R-A-Y says, pause, uh, rejoice, accept, and yield. We start with the pause, we rejoice in God, we ask along the way for the things we need, and then we yield in praise to the God, as Paul does in Romans 11, all the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been God's counselor? Who's ever given to God that God should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. Him be the glory. This is the, we just yield to that God in, in prayer at the end because we pray, Lord, we, may your will be done, not mine. Like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. A deep mystery of Jesus even saying this. At that end, we fully yield, and then as one, one as the acrostic ends in yield, we end in a simple little word, Amen, that actually says it all. Let this be true. Let it be. In a prison camp in World War II, on a cold, dark evening after a series of beatings, after the hundreds of prisoners of war had been marched before the camp commander, they were harangued for an hour. When the prisoners were returned to their dark barracks and told to be quiet for the rest of the night, someone, someone somewhere in one of the barracks began saying the Lord's Prayer. Some of his fellow prisoners lying next to him began to pray with him. Their prayer was overheard by prisoners in the next building who joined them. One by one, each set of barracks joined in the prayer until as the prayer was ending with, Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Hundreds of prisoners had joined their voices in a strong, growing, defiant prayer, reaching a thunderous, Amen. And then the camp was silent, but not before the tables had been turned. The prisoners had thrown off their chains, and a new world had been sighted, signaled, and stated. In closing, I hope you see this prayer shows what Jesus cared about, what was on his heart. Our prayers show the same. And they direct us each day, calling us to ask the Lord to teach us to pray. As his children, 
as children, and you know children's prayers are so, so clearly and simply from the heart. Couple, a couple prayers that, that I found that just reinforce this whole idea to go to the Lord as, a, as like a child. Dear pastor, I say my prayer before I eat my supper, but my mother makes me finish my spinach and drink my milk. Kids are so honest about that, humorous, right? Dear pastor, I know God loves me, but I wish he'd give me an A in my report card so I could be sure. Imagine praying to God with the simplicity of a child. But we are as children. Maybe we need to be, not be. Have you ever been praying and then you thought, that doesn't sound high enough for God? And so you have to put the language in your, and, and that's kind of um, ironic and, I mean, really silly. I do this. God knows what I'm thinking. And so instead of saying it like a child adopted in his, in, into his family, I, I try to go, well, Lord, and I use big words sometimes. And I'm thinking, that, oh, that's not theologically correct. <laughs> this is to God. Maybe I need to be more like that child. Is this how you feel as you pray like a hobbit before a great king? Are you praying to gain his favor? This is, I'm asking myself these questions too. Or do you see him already? He is your father. Or, or he would be your father if you go to him, if you haven't gone to him yet. Even in Old Testament Israel, they were reminded that Yahweh was their father, but then Jesus comes, and what a shift when he actually uses those, that intimate word, our Father, not just the Father of Israel metaphorically, but my Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, and overcoming the resistance of Rome through the power of that personal and provisional word that our Father is the one who cares for us and protects us and loves us. God is Lord and Father, not the Emperor. Jesus is Lord. Are you, trying to, are you praying to try and make him do things? He already has a plan for his kingdom, and we can ask like a child. But we are his agents to be part of what he does, whether simple in the day or deeply challenging in going to places filled with danger, maybe taking cookies to friends across the street, maybe not having to go to other countries or maybe having to go to another country. Whatever it is, simple step of prayer. Take a step. Battle past the fear. His agenda is often difficult, but his burden is light. Talking to the people you wouldn't normally talk to. It's hard, if, if, that's your, if that's hard for you, you will find other ways. Seeking out those who don't fit in. Loving the marginalized. Those are the prayers we need and the steps we take through prayer, our mission. Is prayer just an activity to fit in, or is that what the pastor does? That's the amazing thing. Prayer is the gift to the whole body, everyone. Imagine the Lord listening to the prayers of our children. The Lord does hear those prayers. It's not like, well, it's Brian praying. He's got the right degrees. Or someone else here, they're, an, they're, they're a leader in the church. He hears our children. Maybe they will lead us. And if we teach them that Lord's Prayer, maybe that will lead them for the rest of their lives as well. It's a prayerful mission, and mission is our prayer. It isn't just a passive voice speaking into the air. It feels that way sometimes. Prayer defines us. It points to what we care about enough to act upon. Prayer really is resting in Jesus. That leads us to an everyday mission on the campus, in our jobs, on vacation, at school, in our neighborhoods, province, and country. What a place to find unity and mission. The Lord's Prayer. It joins us to our city province, country, and the world. As we pray for each other and hear the stories, go to him today and ask, 
Lord, teach us to pray. And when you haven't found a prayer, go back to the Lord's Prayer and pray it. And find each other. Pray it together. He has given us this prayer. His grace will find you, and it continues to find you. And he is with us, always. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Let me, let me say a prayer for us. Lord Jesus, show us the way. Help us to live by grace in prayer, to live in mission in prayer, not through guilt, but delight and gratitude. Lead us to those you want us to care for and love. The, the simplicity of giving water to someone. One person who needs bread, the bread of life. Lord, show us the way. Be with this congregation, our family, the family of forever, that we will always be together, and prayer is what pulls us together and holds us together. Your grace be with us, O Lord. In Christ we pray. Amen.